Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another 2022 NBA playoff recap post game. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Time Dripper Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. Last night I didn't go live. That's because I was featuring on a friend's podcast. A friend on Twitter, Alex Leak. Go check out his podcast, Alex Leak and Friends. If you want to hear my thoughts on last night's games, I'll be going over them briefly tonight. But check that out. We had a good conversation. He's a good guy. And he also had Xavier McDaniel, the X-Man, on his podcast recently. So definitely go check that out. NBA All-Star on your podcast is not uh, an everyday occurrence. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the Golden State Warriors against the Denver Nuggets. A series that I had Warriors in five in. That ended up being true. I'll also be talking about the Bucks and the Bulls, even though I didn't really watch the game tonight, just what I thought of that. Also ended up being true, Bucks in five. And another series I was also right on, Heat in five. We'll talk about that briefly as well. And the Timberwolves, Grizzlies. And if I have time, I'll talk about what I think about the series going forward. Maybe talk a little Bucks, Celtics, but let's see where we're at for time. So let's start out with the Warriors and the Denver Nuggets tonight. Obviously, it's a must-win game for the Nuggets. They're under elimination, but if you're the Warriors, you got to finish it as well right here. Or should I say win, must win as well to finish it right here in, or over there in Oakland or San Francisco. Anyways, tonight we saw an adjustment from Steve Kerr, and that was to put Steph Curry back into the starting lineup. Now, if you've been listening to me, I said that they were going to move either Clay or Jordan Poole to the bench, and that's not what they did. They actually moved Looney to the bench and went with the total death lineup to start the game. Now, I had some doubts about that just because I feel as though the death lineup, I like it better, whether it's maybe at the end of the second quarter or to end quarters and then second half in the middle of the third quarter bring it out mainly to have it more in the second half because I think going with that death lineup against some more tired legs and it's all it's kind of like an adrenaline rush it's like it's like you blitz them with that lineup when they're a little bit slower a little bit more tired and everybody's gotten their own rhythm you know I think Clay Thompson tonight with Jordan Poole and Steph Curry starting it seemed like all the looks were going to them because they're the two creators really that you want on the ball and they were doing a great job of dragging or getting two defenders to come out to them because on off every screen you're gonna have to send your big man whoever's in that pick and roll to blitz the screen or hedge the screen or come up and take away that look coming off of it from Jordan Poole and Steph Curry. And the Warriors are so good at just moving that ball quick. And today, or tonight, they stayed attached to Klay Thompson in the corners. It started feeling again like the old Warriors with KD where you had just guys attached, just glued to guys in the corners, and you had Draymond having wide-open dunks. You had a lot of that in this game, a lot of Draymond two-on-ones basically in the paint with... Kevon Looney or Otto Porter and it's just Jordan Poole and Steph Curry just create those looks but for whatever reason they're also another reason why I don't like the I don't particularly like the death lineup to start is because I feel like they're really thin 
on the glass and size-wise to start the game. And the Denver Nuggets tonight did as they were as close as you could get for their talent level of pounding the Warriors on the inside. Jokic was a presence from the start. And I also think that Draymond guarding someone else to start the game and playing help defense and being able to kind of quarterback it is is better than having him guard Jokic to start a game. But they don't have to worry about guarding Jokic anymore since it's over. However, that's just my opinion on that on that particular series. For the next series, we'll see. The Grizzlies do have a lot of size, but they haven't won their series, so it's no point talking about it now. However, the Warriors, at the first quarter, I wasn't even paying that close of attention because I knew that it was going to be close after the first, and every single game has been close after the first in this Warriors series. Tonight was no different. Warriors won the first quarter 30-25, to but the Denver Nuggets started slowing the game down in the second quarter, getting the Warriors in foul trouble, and even though he Bones Highland didn't have a good game tonight, he was 0-6 for and 0-5 for from 3 after coming off. A crazy game, not a crazy game, but a really good game in game four. A crazy second quarter in which he scored 11 points. He could not hit. He was taking some tough shots. They put Gary Payton Jr. on him who really, you know, got into him, harassed him, all that. But DeMarcus Cousins, they were feeding him and he was cooking on Looney. He was cooking on mismatches. He was dominating. He was hitting his threes, two for three from deep, eight of 12 from the field in only 15 minutes. He had 19 points in 15 minutes, and even on one switch, guarded Klay Thompson well. That was, I think, in the second half, though. But Boogie was great, and the Warriors kind of slow. Curry was missing some shots. I remember at one point he was 4 for 10. They were The, the Nuggets were doing a good job of limiting Klay Thompson's shot attempts. As a result, though, letting Draymond kind of be able to make two-on-one reads or four-on-three reads in that short roll or that pick-and-pop. And overall, though, the Nuggets won the second quarter 23-18. to Another guy who had a really good first half and kind of disappeared in the second half was Aaron Gordon, doing a really good job. He actually scored zero points in the second half, 15 in the first. And he did a good job of moving without the ball and actually going to the post on occasion and bullying Jordan Poole, Steph Curry. That's another thing about that death lineup to start the game. Steph Curry and Jordan Poole, two somewhat smaller guards that aren't necessarily great at defense. I think Curry is good now, though. Pool, I need to I need to watch him more closely to see how good he is at D. But he's only 6'4", so you got two guys under 6'5". That can be a little tough at times, depending on who you're playing. But the Nuggets outscored the Warriors by slowing the game down, pounding him on the inside, 23-18 to in the second. That made it a tie game at 48 going into the second half. But what was really... I was expecting a third quarter flurry, but we got Nikola Jokic just dominating, making incredible plays. You know, he did turn the ball over a little too much tonight, Jokic. Some wayward passes, some careless passes, some passes that didn't really need to be thrown. I get it because Jokic is a risk taker when it comes to passing the ball, and I do think the best passers ever, for, for the most part, are risk takers. But there were just a couple passes he didn't need to throw. For example, one, just I think it was Aaron Gordon posting up. But he didn't really have his man sealed. And Jokic from behind the three-point line just threw it right into the basically right outside the restricted area. And Clay poked it away. There was another one that was a good idea that he was posting up. They were loading up or doubling the defense in the first half. And he threw it to Aaron Gordon right at the dunker spot. But he threw it too high and it bounced off the rim. So Jokic, he had six turnovers. Probably the only thing you can really criticize him with tonight. Although he does still, he's still a problem on defense in terms of with this matchup, guarding in space. Verizon is going ultra. Oh my God. He's still a problem guarding in space. At least against this team. 
But the third quarter, surprisingly, Jokic just still dominated. Um, he was destroying the glass, killing Draymond and Kevon Looney on that small uh, on those smaller lineups. I mean, Kevon Looney's, Kevon Looney's not small, but he was not rebounding. And Draymond Green only had two rebounds tonight. I believe both of them came in the fourth quarter. Jokic was crashing the offensive glass. The whole team really was. They had 14 re- offensive rebounds to the Warriors, 6. 50 rebounds to the Warriors, 37. But they only had six threes to the Warriors, 13. Six out of 29 from deep for the Nuggets. That's only 21%. As for the Warriors, 13 of 31, 42%. So that's a big reason why they made up that rebounding deficit. Jokic was doing a great job of setting those screens, coming off those pick and pops where he can... I think Jokic likes to pick and pop a little more than roll. When he rolls, though, he's still great. He loves to get into that floater like a guard. And he made a couple of those tonight, but he's really good at picking and popping as well. Not only because he can shoot, but because his pump fake is so believable. And then he gets to drive on the defense and dribble penetrate. And he makes reads like a point guard, finding the open man if somebody comes and helps off of helps on him. And he did a good job of getting to the basket from those positions. He has this move too, where he kind of euro steps and lifts it over his head and goes to it from left to right, as well as a spin move going to his left sometimes, or honestly spinning either direction. He's great at both, starting from that top of the key position off the pick and pop. But 30-22 to 22 in the third quarter in favor of Denver. They went into the, thir- to, into the fourth with an eight-point lead, but you just knew an eight-point lead against the Warriors was nothing. And a guy, by the way, another tough night for Jordan Poole. So the Nuggets did a really good job of forcing the ball out of his hands. As I said, that left Draymond Green open a lot. And Draymond Green was 4 for 10, 1 of 2 from 3, 11 points, 6 assists, was great on defense, had 3 blocks, 1 steal, was really active, had really active hands, doing his Draymond thing on that end of the floor, but his rebounding was poor, and a couple of times he was allergic to shoot. Steph Curry, though, in the 4th, he really took over the game. I don't really know how many points he had in that 4th quarter, but he came off of two threes, one going to his right, one going to his left at the top of the key. And Jokic just giving him, or I think it was Boogie, but I think Jokic may have been defending in the pick and roll for one of them as well. Just one step. If you give him one inch coming off that screen, he's letting it fly. You got to just blitz him hard. You know what I'm saying? Or hedge him hard. Do not let him turn that corner, which he's also so good at doing. But when Curry starts making those threes, that's a huge momentum shifter. Huge. And a guy that just made a huge impact, I already talked about him guarding Bones Highland, but Gary Payton Jr. got several blocks, was really active, flying all over the place on his closeouts, and he was just impressive. Me and Nat talked about it in the preview, in the Nuggets Warriors preview, that he was going to have an impact in the playoffs, and you saw him have an impact tonight. Even so much so that Jordan Poole only played 26 minutes and didn't close the game because Steve Kerr elected to go with Gary Payton Jr., who also played 26 minutes and had 15 points on 6 of 8 shooting and 3 of 4 from 3. He made a big 3. I think it was the 3 that actually gave the Warriors the lead in the fourth quarter. And one thing that was a real struggle for the Nuggets was that Nikola Jokic was in foul trouble. He had 5 fouls early in the fourth. And so when he came back in with around 7 minutes left, Michael Malone was like, you know, we're not going to even risk it anymore. Nikola Jokic was put in pick and roll every possession, as you would expect. It was funny. They asked Steve Kerr after the third quarter, how are you going to look to try to exploit Nikola Jokic having four fouls? And he's like, you don't do that. You just play. 
bullshit. They're going to put Nikola Jokic in every action already, and Curry's going to try to lean into him and get him fouled or get uh, draw fouls on him. And Curry got a couple of t- – there were a couple of times where Curry turned the corner, went downhill on Jokic, went all the way for the layup, and Jokic couldn't guard him in space and could not challenge him at the rim like he wanted to because he didn't want to pick up that sixth foul. And Curry got a couple of layups in that fourth quarter. Klay Thompson even got to the rim for a layup with his left hand in that fourth quarter. And at the end, you know, Jokic got a couple of buckets late. He really tried. You know, at one point, what's, what was funny was in the third quarter to kind of weather the storm a little bit for Golden State, they actually went to a box and one on Jokic with Clay guarding Jokic. It was re- really interesting. I thought Jokic, when he had Clay on him, still should have tried to go get him isolated wherever he could and then kind of force the double team within that box and one scheme because they, they, they were obviously going to send help. You know, if Jokic finds any kind of room on an island of sorts with Clay, but Jokic kind of was just standing at the three-point line trying to run like simple pick and pops and the same kind of thing, and I didn't really like that, but it wasn't too big of a difference in the game because in the fourth quarter, they kind of went back to -to man-to-man, and Jokic was still getting his buckets, but just didn't have enough, just didn't have enough, and Steph Curry outdid him in the fourth because he could go at him on defense, and Steph, he he was masterful at the end of the game, just doing his thing finishing the game at the free throw line and the Golden State Warriors finished the series 102 to 98. They outscored the Nuggets 32-20 in the fourth. Gary Payton by the, by the way, Nikola Jokic actually switched to guard Gary Payton. That was a strategic decision made by the Nuggets because they didn't want Draymond to be in those 4 on 3 situations when they blitz Curry and pull off those screens. And so they wanted to have Gary Payton make those reads and you know, he still did a decent job. Got to the rim on one just wide open for a dunk. And it didn't really matter. He still made the right reads, still made the right plays. They weren't even guarding Gary Payton on a lot of plays as well, the Denver Nuggets. just And the same thing with Draymond, you know. Nikola Jokic is just fully committing to Curry because he knows that Draymond's not a threat. But Draymond does make great reads when he's going downhill in those four-on-three situations. That's for sure. But yeah, Steph Curry, you know, it was 92-94 with a minute and a half left. And when Gary Payton made an open three off an Andrew Wiggins pass to make it 97-92, that's when you knew the game was basically over. Actually, no, it wasn't because Jokic came back and scored a little hook shot with 53 seconds left to make it 97-94. And then Curry went to the basket, got to the rim in that pick and roll with Jokic again, made it 99-94. And the game was over 102-98. to The Warriors win the series in five as I expected and called. They look fantastic. They're, they're my pick to get out of the West as it is. I think that they'll beat either of their opposition. What, I'm not going to make a prediction on the series until it's decided between Memphis and Minnesota. I obviously think Minnesota is the better matchup. I think the Grizzlies' size and length could be a little bothersome, especially on the glass with what the Warriors showed tonight. But the, And the Timberwolves are just way too inexperienced. But I also want to say, so by the way, let me read the lines before I talk about the Denver Nuggets real quick before we move on to the next game. Jeff, oh, I'm sorry. Draymond Green, I already said, 11 points, only two rebounds, six assists, a steal in three blocks. Only one turnover as well. Four for 10 shooting. One of two from three. Andrew Wiggins, really quiet game tonight. That's partly partially because he shared the floor with so many great offensive players to start the game. 12 points for him. Five rebounds, two assists, and a block. Four of nine, four of nine shooting and one of one. One for one from deep. So another efficient night. He had a really efficient series, Andrew Wiggins. Jordan Poole, eight points, four assists, three of 10. One of four from three. So he started out pretty decently, but... Jordan Poole couldn't really get going. And then Otto Porter played 24 minutes, 
one of four, one for three from deep, three points. Wasn't bad, though. I thought he played pretty decent defense. Kevon Looney, he had a tough time on the boards tonight, even though he got seven of them. Four points, seven boards, two of two shooting, and then Gary Payton with 15. Three assists, two steals and a block. Six of eight from the field and three for four from deep. So very impressive for Gary Payton to make 75% of his threes. Then Clay Thompson, five for 13, one for six from deep. Not a great shoot night for him. 15 points, nine rebounds, three assists, but four steals and a block. So he was active on D. And then Steph Curry, the easy player of the game for me. 30 points, five rebounds, five assists, two steals. He did turn the ball over a little much, five turnovers. Still missed free, two free throws, five for seven. He was beating himself up about that. I don't know what's going on. It's got It's all mental right now for him. 10 for 22 from the field, five of 11 from deep. Just what a game for Steph. And then the Nuggets. Jeff Green... I'm a fan of his, always have been, but he's 35 years old. He can't be starting for an NBA team anymore, not a team that wants to contend. He only had two points tonight. He had nine rebounds. Had one really nice defensive play on a block. That was an alley-oop attempt. He was one of five. Will Barton, 14 points, five for 13 from the field and two of six from deep. I like Will Barton. I don't know what his contract situation is. He's still, his decision-making is a little... Actually, very questionable at times, I should say. He's kind of just a bucket getter. He can create and pick and roll here and there. But I think he's just more suited to be kind of like a bench player, six-man kind of energizer. Aaron Gordon, I thought he was good. I don't know if he can be a starter on a championship team, personally. But I think he's earned the right to start again next year. If they can bring him off the bench, though, and get one other guy, another solid wing player, (laughs) Jeremy Grant was just, I can't believe he left. It would have been so perfect if they still had him. 15 points, 8 rebounds for Aaron Gordon. 5 or five for 11 from the field. 0 of 4 from threes. Three balls. Just, he needs to just like, I don't know, not take many threes anymore. Unless they're just wide open off Nikola Jokic passes because it's ugly. Monty Morris, solid series for him. Just was great in his role this year. He's a typical backup point guard, but he showed he could start on a playoff team and was very solid. And bringing him off the bench, I don't know what his contract situation is either, but... If he comes back off the bench next season for Murray, that's such a luxury. Although, after tasting starting, maybe he doesn't want to do that again. 14 points, 7 assists for him, 5 for 12 shooting, 2 of 6 from deep, and 2 of 3 from the line. And then, as I said, Bones Highland, 0 of 6 from the field in 19 minutes, only 4 points. Austin Rivers only played 5 minutes. I don't know why. Had a donut. And then Boogie Cousins, as I said, 19 points in 15 minutes. And Nikola Jokic. 30 points, 19 rebounds, 8 assists, 6 turnovers. I will say this, Jokic needs to get better at closing games, at least in the playoffs. I feel like he doesn't go to the post enough. And you know what? If they're going to double in the post, just make the right read. He did it one time today. He passed it to Will Barton late at the foul line, the only time he posted up late. And Will Barton was wide open for a foul line jumper. And it clearly, you could see it was awkward for him to shoot. Because as I said, in the NBA getting better and better, some of these dudes are just not used to shooting mid-range shots, especially off the catch. So it was awkward, so short. But it was the right play, and they got a great shot, typically. Jokic, though, gave his all. He's got to get a little better at closing, but it'll also help to have Murray. Because that'll be him and Murray high pick and roll. You're gonna Or pick and pop. You're going to have to pick your poison. But what a series for him. I thought he had 25-plus points in every game. He dominated everyone. Draymond did a good job on him, but he still dominated. And whether he's better than Steph, that can be up to the— Tell me in the comments if you think he's better than Steph. It's obviously such a tough comparison. They're so different. One's a center, one's a point. But 
Jokic definitely had the better season. I think he had the better series, but Steph could win the championship in the finals MVP this year, so I'm not going to make the determination there. But Jokic is easily a top four player in the league alongside Curry, Giannis, and... Uh, alongside Curry and Giannis, honestly. Because I'd say the next guys are Curry... I'm sorry, KD, Luka, and Embiid. But yeah, I definitely think Jokic is top three, no doubt. What a season for him. The best center since Shaq for me. These guys are, it's the same way. Like, my, I'm so excited to have Kawhi back. I just cannot wait. Clipper Nation can't wait. The Nuggets fans have to be the same with Jamal Murray. A whole season in a playoffs without him. Two playoffs without him. It's time to get him back. Michael Porter Jr. back. And they can try to compete for a title next year. Let's move on, though, to the Milwaukee Bucks against the Bulls. I didn't really watch this game because I heard that Zach Levine was in health and safety protocols for like the 10th time this season. And then you had Alex Caruso in health and safety protocols. So starting lineup tonight was Ayo DeSumo, DeMar DeRozan, Javante Green, Pat Williams, and Nikola Vucevic, and they got smacked from the start. 34-18 to in the first quarter. The Bucks have done a really good job of setting the tone in first quarters of this series in every single game that they've won. And they just ran away with it. 116-100. to 100. DeMar DeRozan didn't score, I heard, for like the first, I don't know, long while in this game. Only had 11 points. So DeRozan, 11 points on 5 for 10 shooting. Nikola Vucevic had 19 and 16. 6 assists on 8 of 18, 8 for 15 shooting. There's no point of reading the stats, honestly, for these guys. They were just, they got killed. They got killed. They shot 52 threes. Oh my goodness. For a team that's not good at shooting threes and made 15 of them, that's absurd. DeMar DeRozan, you know, he, it was a very tough matchup for him. He didn't necessarily have the help, didn't have the shooters, but he did nothing to, to change the narrative about him. He didn't play well in the playoffs. He struggled. They forced him to his left. They put physical and good defenders on him. Tight spacing. He couldn't score. It was in his head again. I just don't think DeMar DeRozan, should, you should build your team around him. I don't care how good of a regular season he has to be your number one. If that's who you want to rely on come playoff time, so be it. Next year, they may easily... DeRozan may have another great season, average like 25 a game. And they may have a better matchup in this first round, a better seed if Lonzo can stay healthy, if Levine can stay healthier and not play a team like Milwaukee. But I still wouldn't put my money on DeRozan. As for the Bucks, they did an amazing job. They didn't lose a game without Middleton. They just shut the noise down right away. Grayson Allen again off the bench tonight with another good one. 13 points on 5 for 10 shooting and 3 of 6 from deep. He was just great in the series. Connaughton, 20 points. On 7 of 11 shooting and 6 for 9 from deep. I watched the first three games of this series. Did not watch the last two. And then the starters. Drew Holiday didn't shoot well, but I bet he played well. 10 points, 5 boards, 9 assists. Had 6 turnovers, but I bet he guarded DeRozan and did a great job. 4 for 14 shooting, 1 of 7 from deep. Bobby Portis, though, a, a guy who's had 3 great games in a row. 14 points and 17 rebounds for Bobby, a fan favorite in Milwaukee. 6 of 13 shooting, 2 of 7 from deep. Brooke Lopez had a pretty solid series. 12 points, 5 boards on 4 of 8 shooting. And then Giannis, the best player in the NBA for me. 33 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 11 of 15 shooting. Only shot 1-3 and was 11 of 14 from the line. The Bucks shot 49% and 39 from 3. They win the series 4-1 as I expected. Not much more to say. The big question is, when's Chris Middleton coming back? Because in my opinion, what we have lined up right here is the real Eastern Conference Finals. It could be the decider of who actually wins the championship, but I wouldn't count out the Western champion. 
But I'm telling you this right now, this is the best series in terms of quality of two teams in the East since LeBron was on the Heat, since a series in that era. No series you can think of for me except for maybe the one claim I'd listen to, 2019 Bucks and 2019 Raptors. But the Bucks, this Bucks team is much better than that Bucks team. Now, the Celtics and Raptors, we can talk. I mean, the Raptors won the championship, so I'm not going to give the Celtics that much love, but the Celtics could be the champion this year. You, who knows? I just think that there's not been two teams with that kind of quality any years that LeBron was with the Cavs the second second go-around. This, this is going to be insane. I'm so hyped on it. I'm not going to make my pick yet. We're going to wait to see the Middleton news, but I'm leading Boston. I'm leading Boston for sure with that home court advantage. It's going to be so much fun. Briefly, since we're not even at 30 minutes, before we go to the live subscribers, Waiting oh so patiently in the chat. 16 of them. It started out slow tonight. By the way, Super Chats are turned on. If you want to drop a dollar, a dime for your boy, make a donation. Anything helps. You know what? I try to do the best. Try to improve my content. And you know, it could help get a guest on in the future. Let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks real quick. So yesterday I watched the fourth quarter. And Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler didn't even play. So the Hawks needed to force a game six there. And they didn't. I saw a lot more Trey Young off the ball again, kind of like they saw in games three and four, but he just doesn't move. He's a statue. He shot poorly, two of 12, I believe. But when everybody likes to say, oh, Trey Young has no help, you know, he has no on ball creators with him, I just disagree. I think that he has no consistent second guy, and that's something they need to address in the offseason. But I think that he has guys. Kevin Herter had a terrible series, but he had a decent game five. Five of nine from the field, at least on offense. Five of nine from the field, two of five from three and 12 points. He got you in double figures. He can still create some shots. And then Boyan Bogdanovich, who didn't play and that hurt. That really hurt right knee soreness. He had he was the reason why they won game three, a huge reason. And he was hurt and that that really was tough. And then John Collins, they gave him a lot of money. And they don't look to get him... I don't think they look to improve his game. Now, he needs to make some improvements himself. He didn't improve at all this season. He needs to really put in some work in the summer. Get a little face-up game mid-range. Seven points for him in the game. Only three of eight shooting. That's just not good enough. He's just used as a pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop guy. He needs to show more. They need to give him more opportunities. To This team can take a huge leap if they let John Collins try to develop into a consistent 20-point-a-game scorer. He's averaging 16 points. I mean, four points. He can add that onto his average with some work and better, bigger opportunity. Trey Young, though, 11 points, eight rebounds, six assists, but six turnovers on two of 12 shooting. DeAndre Hunter at 35 and 11. He was hitting threes, coming off screens. I've watched it. And I've always, you guys have known, I the Hawks were a dime dropper team last year. We watched them extensively. I said DeAndre Hunter was great. I thought he's huge. he's huge for this team on both ends. 11 for 21 from the field and 3 of 7 from deep and 10 of 11 from the line. He was unbelievable. They got to empower him more, but he's got to also stay healthy. But this is my point. The Hawks have some guys. But Trey Young, he had a nightmare series. Nightmare. Four bad games out of five. And it just showed you what length does to him. What, what having the ability to switch everything did to him. It took away his pick and roll opportunities where he could get downhill, get to his floater, or make reads. They didn't blitz him as much as, as normal teams do because he's going to make the right read every time. Switch everything, make him play one-on-one, 
and have guys ready to help the second he tries to, he gets the step on you if he does and get away with as much hand checking as you can and they were physical with him and more than anything they made him work on defense i've been saying that for so long teams need to involve Trey in the action more they went at him a lot especially late in games and pick and roll whoever he was guarding would set the screen and they thoroughly exposed every flaw in Trey Young's game. It's the same thing I said. I said it earlier in the series. I'm saying it about Donovan Mitchell and at times John Morant. If your best score is 6-3 or under and his name's not Steph Curry, there are some serious limitations there. And that's what the Hawks face and they're going to have to address in the summer. But Clint Capella also was just, just to not really have him in the playoffs, essentially. He only played 19 minutes in Game 5. Two points, just was a disaster. But... As far as the Heat, Bam Adebayo had his best game of the series in this one. 20 points, 11 boards, and 4 assists. Max Struess, he had such a great series. What an, adi- what an addition to this team. Or He was on the team last year, actually, but he's really improved. 15 points, 6 of 12 shooting, and 3 of 8 from deep. He shoots a lot of threes, but he hits them. And he's kind of replaced Duncan Robinson because he's stronger, a little bit better off the dribble, and better defensively. Tyler Hero, another solid performance. He had a really solid series for me. 16 points, 6 for 12 from the field, and 0 of 4 from deep, but 50% will take that if you're a Heat fan. And then Caleb Martin, 10 points off the bench. He was, I think that may have been his first game in double figures in the series. 5 for 12 shooting, 0 of 4 from deep. And then the guy that I really need to shout out, Victor Oladipo. A guy that we almost forgot about. I almost basically forgot about. Kind of vanished off the face of the earth. Struggled with injuries after that great 2018 season he had. Was good in 2019 before he got hurt. Was out the whole year in 2020. And we saw him have probably his best game that I can remember. I mean, obviously his best game, I'd assume, in a Heat uniform. He was making plays off the dribble. Coming off screens, getting downhill, making good reads. And hitting shots. 23 points for him. And I think he got the game-winning steal. Oh, yeah, the Hawks were down three, and they got the ball to Gallinari in the corner. Not a great out-of-bounds play, whatever it was. But the Heat blew it up, and Gallinari just did not move the ball quick. He wanted that three. You could tell, and that was greedy by Gallo. And he can be like that sometimes. They trapped him. Gallo turned the ball over. Oladipo got the steal. 23 points on the game. 8 of 16 shooting, 50%. And 3 for 6 from deep. So 50% from 3 as well. And you could see the emotion after the game for him. So what kind of role he gets going forward, I don't know. But this Heat team is formidable. Their defense is really good. They're better than I expected. The addition of P.J. Tucker was huge, huge. You can't underestimate that. That was a big loss for the Bucks too. And then Max Struess's improvement, very impressive. And then Tyler Hero, obviously, back to being on the right developmental track from the rookie season after a sophomore slump. And then Jimmy Butler was awesome. But the health of Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry, I think Butler should be good. He missed the game with like knee inflammation or something. He should be good going into the second round, in which I think they've got it locked up. They're going to be win whoever they play, even if they play Philly. But for the Hawks, terrible series for Trey Young. I got not much else to say. They got to make a little bit of some changes. And then the AAU series, I'm going to end it with that. The Wolves and the Grizzlies, my God. Some really sloppy basketball being played. Both teams are inexperienced. When their three ball's not falling, they struggle to go anywhere else. But I thought in the second half, John Morant really took over the game. He got to the basket at will like we've been seeing all season. He split those pick and rolls well. He just had some amazing finishes. You know, I thought the Wolves were a little bit little bit later on their help. Not as, not as alert on their help. I think partially it's because Desmond Bain has been so goddamn good shooting the three ball. They don't want to help off of him at all and then uh brandon clark 
was ridiculous. I mean, just everywhere. On the offensive glass, help defense. He comes out of nowhere getting blocks. And Jaron Jackson Jr. had some really careless fouls and fouled out of the game. And Brandon Clark really made up for his for his absence. Just You had to see the game to see the effort he was bringing, the second chance points. They had 18 offensive rebounds to the Wolves' six, a huge reason that the Wolves lost the game. And mind you, the Wolves were up 92-79. They were up for the majority of the second half. Carl Anthony Towns was playing great. He was making his threes. I mean, he shot five or seven from three, but he also shot two of eight from two. And down the stretch of the game, when the Grizzlies were getting close and John Morant and a lot of home-centric calls, by the way. And that's just been a thing we've talked about this, this entire playoffs, and it's always existed. But the Grizzlies got some generous calls. For example, John Morant got put, I'm sorry, John Morant pushed Patrick Beverly out of bounds, and they didn't call anything there. He called it out of bounds to Memphis, and they ended up scoring off that. And what's funny is that that shouldn't have never even happened because that was a scramble off of a missed free throw that Jaw got ghost fouled. So a couple of questionable calls. But John Morant also had a ridiculous poster, one of the craziest dunks I've seen in the playoffs. Malik beat over Malik Beasley who tried to take a charge. Oh my god, he took off from so far. That's a poster and a half. He was just the jaw that you expect. Turning the corner on Carl Anthony Towns, who I thought he wasn't even that bad defensively at all. But turning the corner and getting to the rim, John Morant shot. 17 free throws, but made 11 of them. So he needs to be better at, at actually converting from the line. Nine for 22 shooting, one of four from deep, but he had 30 points and nine assists to go along with 13 rebounds and three steals. And Desmond Bain, another great game. I think he's been the most consistent player in the series, probably for either team. 25 points, three blocks on nine of 20 shooting and three of eight from deep. Brandon Clark, though, 21 points and 15 rebounds. Nine offensive rebounds. I think that's a playoff high right now for offensive rebounds for any player in any game. Check me on that if, you, if you're that curious, but I, I would put my money on that. Nine of 14 shooting. He was just unbelievable, and he's been great in this series. He was huge in the Game 3 comeback. He was great in Game 5. He was great in Game 2. And then... Yeah, Jaron Jackson Jr. had 12 points and 5 rebounds, but 4 of 9. I just thought that he had some really careless fouls. But also, and by the way, John Morant made the game winner on a... It was a wild sequence, actually. So the Wolves, one thing I've noticed about them in the playoffs, they don't have a clear closer. They don't know where to go. D'Lo wants to close, and Ant talked about this in the press conference, but D'Lo wants to close, and then Ant wants to close sometimes. And then Cat's like the best friend on the team. So where do you go? And Cat doesn't have this assertiveness at the end of games. It's the same thing as Jokic, kind of. Um, but you expect that from Cat. But he was having a great game. Like, that's the thing. He was having a great game and just didn't see much aggression towards the end. And by the way, there was one shot he took in the fourth quarter when the Grizzlies were making a run. Like, a one-pass possession, 30-footer, didn't even hit the rim. It's like, what are you thinking, dude? And he had seven turnovers, too, just making some really questionable decisions. Patrick Beverly also had five turnovers. They had 22 turnovers as a team. So that's when you see their inexperience and sloppiness as far as Minnesota is concerned. They lost the game with offensive rebounds being allowed and turnovers. And a large reason they were there were a lot of offensive rebounds was John Morant just drawing the attention and getting two defenders. But, you know, Anthony Edwards did make a game-tying three. 
in the corner. What a great play that was, by the way, by Chris Finch. Jordan McLaughlin making the play. I'm so happy for J-Mac. He had 17 minutes and was playing in crunch time, getting big minutes. But Ant made the three, and then he absolutely... By the way, D'Angelo Russell right before that, too, was one-on-one and went at Desmond Bain on an ISO for a fadeaway mid-range. It was so questionable. And D'Angelo Russell was 4 for 10, 12 points, 8 assists. I thought he was okay, but it's like... Is D'Lo still uh, that star from Brooklyn? Is he going to continue to get better? What I don't really understand what kind of player he wants to be. Like, t- 10 shots? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Eight assists tells me that he probably created a lot, but because I, I wasn't paying too much. I didn't watch the first half, but that was a questionable shot for D'Lo in that moment. And then J- Anthony Edwards made the costly mistake. I don't know what he was thinking. He was behind John Morant, doing fine gambled for a steal on the best finisher in the NBA right now, at definitely at the guard position, and John Morant had a rim run to the basket. Carl Anthony Towns was there protecting the rim, but Ja is just so great, switching hands and just acrobatics in the air. You knew he was going to finish. Carl Anthony Towns finished with 28 points and 12 rebounds, but seven turnovers and seven of 15 shooting. I just don't think he did enough. And that's all I have to say. Anthony Edwards, 22 points on 8 of 20 shooting and 3 of 9 from deep. I just think he's he's been going a little bit quiet in games. In, uh, in game in game 5 and game 4, I believe. I, I, honestly, the last three games, he's kind of just... Honestly, since game 1, if I'm being real, he's gone stretches where he just doesn't... He just sits in the corner sometimes. I don't know if that's deferring or just getting disengaged. I don't know. I'm going to play really close attention in game six, but the problem is, guys, they got three game sixes tomorrow, and you already know which one I really want to watch more than any. That is the Philadelphia 70 Brixers, Plumber Jim Harden, and good old Glenn. Because, oh boy, if Glenn blows this, but I shouldn't even say that yet. If they even let this go to seven, oh my God, I am going to be having a field day tomorrow night because Glenn Rivers... As I said before, not only is he a fraud, I've been saying that for two years. I started watching basketball, as I said, in 2006. So I didn't see the Portland Trailblazers push the Mavericks to seven in 2003. I didn't see the Denver Nuggets get uh, push the Jazz to seven in 94. So I've never seen a team get pushed to seven after being up 3-0. I've only seen 3-0 to 3-2. This is going to be fun. I just hope, I'm, I'm, guys, I'm going to be live a little bit later tomorrow probably because I'm going to watch all those games. So I got to watch all game sixes. Game sixes were the nitty-gritty. Jazz, Mavs, Mavs should finish it out. But, you know, it is in Utah. I'd hope it's the last game with Donovan Mitchell, Itsy Bitsy Spider, and Rudy Escargobert. And maybe Mike Conley while we're at it. But the Sixers-Raptors, that's going to be the must-see TV. And then New Orleans-Phoenix, we'll see if New Orleans can force a game seven. Probably no Booker, so... Booker plays, I expect Phoenix to get it done, even if he's not 100%, just that adrenaline and energy. But it would be really interesting to see the Pelicans force Game 7. That's it for me tonight, guys. Thanks for joining me. I featured on two podcasts today. One, the Good Rookies podcast with Nelly J and Fahim from the Toronto Raptors Philadelphia 76ers preview. So that was really fun. Check that out when it's out. And then uh, I was actually featured on a pod called The Dime, funny enough. So The Dime had Dime Dropper on. Uh, his name is Josh Rodriguez. It was a good episode. Go check that out. You can check it out if you go to my Twitter feed. You can see it. It's it's there. So go check that out. I, I bet you it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So just type in The Dime with Josh Rodriguez. And then for the Good Rookies podcast, Good Rookies podcast tomorrow. Thanks for joining me, guys.
I'll see you guys tomorrow night. Now we go to the live subscribers. Wait, no, so patiently in the chat. Patiently in the chat. Super chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime.